Hey, Stan, welcome back to Mic Check. Thank you very much. I hope that, that you and your family are, are doing well, given given everything that's going on. Yeah, we're getting our shots, and uh, hopefully that, that will do the job. We haven't got it, but uh, it's a, it's something. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I know we're all just taking things one day at a time. So, um, again, I appreciate you being here with me tonight, Stan. And sure. let's start off with the, the local climate justice work you're involved with here in Connecticut, specifically the Connecticut Climate Crisis Mobilization. So I, uh, coming up next Saturday on February 27th, one week from yesterday, uh, there's going to be a car caravan and a virtual rally to stop the, the Killingly Power Plant. Can you start off, Stan, by talking a little bit about the Killingly Power Plant and the urgency of this issue here in Connecticut? Sure. You know, probably half the people listening don't even know where Killingly is. It's way over in the east in Connecticut on the Rhode Island border. But what goes on with the atmosphere is not a local problem. It's an international problem. And when they built a, a gas-powered uh, plant in the Bridgeport, it was uh, a bad mistake. It's to global warming gases. And they're planning to make another big one, uh, 2 million tons a year of uh, carbon dioxide and all the methane that leaks out and so on in Killingly. And so there's a local group called No More Dirty Power in Killingly that's been leading the charge. And when they say no more, they already have a fracked gas power plant in Killingly. But now there's going to be another one unless the, the governor uh, puts his foot down because it, it, it's gotten through all the permits, and there's really nothing to stop it. Uh, there's a court case going, but it doesn't uh, seem to have a lot of promise. So uh, the next thing uh, people are trying is uh, this car caravan. We, we did one in uh, last June, and uh, there's going to be another one in, uh, uh, as you say, this Saturday the 27th. So there'll be a, a feeder feeder march, I don't know, feeder caravan coming up from New Haven, one from Killingly, and then they're going to meet in uh, uh, in Hartford and uh, drive up through the Capitol, around the Capitol, and then down past the DEEP building. DEEP is short for Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. They're the ones that gave the first uh, go-ahead for this plan. And so uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of horn honking and signs. Uh, a lot of people uh, will be taking, uh, you know, stiff paper, getting some magnets. There's these things you can get at stores like Staples, and you can peel off one side, and you've got a, a double-sided magnet, and you put it uh, – uh, that is one side is sticky, the other side is a magnet, and – so you can affix signs to your car without uh, ruining the paint job and, uh, you know, writing in large letters all the different uh, messages. And uh, so that's that's going to happen noon uh, on Saturday. Thank you, Stan, for, for sharing all that. And can you talk a little bit more about some of the various groups involved and, and how everyone came together around this? Oh, geez, going to make my name on Well, Connecticut Climate Crisis Mobilization, a real jawbreaker of a name. 
it's been around a couple of years and um you know it's a lot of the different groups in town uh a town in the state uh, one would be sunrise these are young people uh teenagers and young adults uh aware that uh, a collapsing climate is going to be impacting them most of all uh, connecticut sierra club um the socialist resilience group um the sa people they have an echo socialist committee a whole bunches of uh, of groups and individuals not in groups uh, have been have been meeting on and off uh, for quite some time and we've had a number of events and i participate as a member or a, a worker for promoting enduring peace thank you so much stan um and so yes yeah, so that's a, quite a few groups involved in this and that's it's inspiring to see such a broad coalition because i think a lot of times it can be very easy to look at the environment and this the issue of climate justice as a, as a as a as a narrow thing as opposed to um the fact that it really does affect everything and I mean, uh, we're seeing what's going on in texas and at first glance, you might say, what does this got to do with climate? I mean, it's global warming means hot, and uh, and Texas, is, of course, is suffering from extreme cold. And the thing is, what this global warming has caused uh, climate disruptions and various extremes, um, worse hurricanes, and uh, a, a change in the polar vortex where it used to just sit up around the North Pole, and now because the North has heated up more than other areas, it, it, the, the polar vortex kind of leaks out. And uh, I think a couple of years ago it was uh, around us, and now last week it uh, hit Texas. And, uh, I mean, it was, was incredible. The temperatures in southern Texas colder than parts of Alaska. So, uh, I mean, that's wild. And, of course, we've seen uh, scores of people got killed. The, the, the place that, uh, you know, a free market paradise was unprepared for, uh, uh, you know, any of this and uh, didn't want to uh, make companies uh, winterize, uh, winterize at least on our scale. They even had a governor, Abbott, who said, oh, this is the problem of wind energy. The wind turbines froze up which is uh, not exactly accurate. Uh, yeah, some did, but wind is only about uh, 7 to 10% of their production of energy. And uh, it overlooks the fact that they have wind turbines in Antarctica and in northern Dakota. And they go minus 20 and they work fine. Anyway, off subject. But um, I should say that uh, people should, to find out more, they can go uh, on Facebook to... Uh, uh, no more dirty power in Killingly. That's the, the place, the uh, the page that has the, the latest up-to-date details. And the other thing is that uh, if you're not going to go in a car caravan or don't know the details about it, the place to meet at, let's say, a quarter to 12 in Hartford on Saturday is one Linden Place, L-I-N-D-E-N, Linden Place. And you'll see a whole bunch of people with cars and signs. Thanks, Dan, and I'll definitely make sure to ask you uh, to repeat the, the website information 
before we close out as well. Um, mm -hmm. But thank you for, for sharing that. And I wanted to also mention two things really quick. One, um, so I, I know you had, when you were naming the groups involved in the upcoming rally that's going to be happening next mm -hmm. Saturday, uh, you, you mentioned socialist resilience, uh, but I, th I believe that's uh, socialist resurgence, right? Oh, um, just wanted to kind of have that out there. So if folks wanted to find the Facebook page Sorry, or the, uh, uh, yeah, no, I just, you know, um, and then uh, in addition to that, I also, you know, the, I, I believe you mentioned earlier, I could, you know, uh, about the New Haven climate movement and they're involved as well with this, right? Yes, that's right. Um, oh, by the way, there's also going to be a virtual rally on Zoom. So there's a lot of people concerned who don't even live in the state and those who can't come out on noon um, for the event and they can uh, listen in to you know a whole bunch of good speakers um, someone from Killingly someone from the NAACP the Sierra Club 350 Connecticut Unidad Latina and Acción and the New Haven Youth Climate Movement as you mentioned they're going to be talking at this uh, on Zoom at the same time as people will be honking up in Hartford. Yeah, and I and I wanted to mention that the New Haven Climate Movement recently held a rally on, uh, I believe it was on Valentine's Day, and it was um, it was it was basically all about it was actually in front of New Haven City Hall, and and the. Uh, and I believe it's a, I believe the New Haven Climate Movement is a youth-led organization. It is. And it was just there's pictures up on the New Haven Climate Movement Facebook page, and they w I love the idea though for that particular action that they did on Valentine's Day, they took paper hearts and wrote messages about about uh, climate justice, and then they put those up mm -hmm. kind of outside uh, New Haven City Hall, to, and then they held a held a press conference, held a rally, and these were you know this was youth organized, so um, definitely you know kind of thank you new haven climate movement for that and yes thank you for everything you shared ab uh, about the upcoming stop the killingly um car caravan and virtual rally um shifting gears just a little bit stan right you've been producing the struggle video news for years and this is actually how many years has it has it been that you've been doing that uh 2003 we started every week I, I knew it was, you know, quite some time and that you've been, I think for as long as, definitely for as long as I've known you, you've been, you've been doing that. And for anybody that doesn't know, it's an independently produced, very grassroots video news program that, that you, you put, to, that you produce, Stan. And, and you're, you're out there at protests, you're out there speaking, speaking to the people in a really, really grassroots way um, here in Connecticut. And it's, it's, it's very local and 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 so you've been doing the struggle video news for years and now you have a new online newspaper that you have 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 launched called the West Haven Call and i know mm -hmm. it, i know you're 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 doing this with other with other folks but i wanted to ask you what inspired you specifically to embark on on this new project well it, it mostly had to do with the killing of mubarak solomon in west haven um, a town that I lived in for 42 years. And it wasn't being covered by the West Haven newspaper. And there was spotty coverage in the New Haven paper. And the politicians weren't saying anything about the outrage. 
And so I figured, well, you know, putting up a new site wouldn't cost a lot of money, and uh, it didn't. And so I've been writing a bunch about that, but then realized there's a lot of other issues. So um, we have, uh, you know, different sections, one about schools and one about health and one about justice, where I talk about Solomon and other kinds of issues. And, uh, you know, we get that out. A lot of, a lot of photos uh, try to be photo heavy in this, uh, in this age. And uh, so this month, you might ask, it, it, it's Black History Month. And uh, we figure we talk about that because last year in December, the City Council of West Haven, in response to community pressure, declared in a resolution that racism was a public health crisis. Right on. And they specifically called for a revision of school subjects uh, to take that crisis into account. And I haven't heard about what's happening um, I mean, usually Black History Month, you know, I, they would talk a little bit about Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, and then, you know, move on. But certainly we need something a lot more current. And so I had a bunch of suggestions uh, that could be uh, mentioned in the schools, and that's basically our, our main focus right now. Um interesting things that uh, could be brought up about Connecticut for the most part uh, for Black History Month. Can you give a brief overview of of the suggestions, the specific topics uh, that you bring mm -hmm. up on the website? You don't have to go into like full in-depth on each one, but if you could just mention each one um, and, you know, just uh, briefly. Well, one uh, is about the time when it was illegal to teach blacks in the schools. If the blacks had come from out of state, this goes back actually during slavery days when a woman had the gall to have black students in a school. Her name was Prudence Crandall over in Canterbury. The whites took their uh, kids out and they uh, got this law passed. So she made the school all for black young ladies. And... Uh, there was a whole hullabaloo, and then the, the mob actually burned up the school or trashed the school. So that's that's one interesting story. One that's a lot more current is about the sundown towns. A lot of people don't know about that, but for a long time in many, many places around this country, there were signs that would say, black person, and of course they didn't use that word, black person, don't be in this town after sundown was fine if they were servants or, you know, media workers, but you couldn't live there. And if you did, you know, you'd be in trouble. You could be beaten up and so on. Darien, Connecticut had the re that reputation of being a sundown town. And there was even a movie made out of about it called Gentleman's Agreement with Gregory Peck, though that emphasized the fact that they didn't want Jews in the town. But uh, that's another thing, talking about sundown towns. Um, the KKK. I'm not talking about after the Civil War. I'm talking about 30, 40 years ago when the KKK had rallies in Meriden and in West Haven. And I remember being there at a counter rally in West Haven. So, you know, that's something that certainly should be taught in schools. And certainly uh, a big one is to talk about last year what happened, the Black Lives Matter movement, which – New York Times said it was the biggest mass movement of protest in American history. 
and they should be talking about George Floyd and Mubarak Solomon. That ought to be taught in classes. So that was the, some of the suggestions I had up there or have up there on the westhavencall.com. A lot of really important local history there that you just mentioned, local history and history in general, uh, but especially the, lo- the local element is, mm-hmm. is de- certainly not really taught in in schools here in Connecticut, or at least taught in schools enough and or talked about enough in general. And so I think that that's those are all you know that's that would be really powerful to to highlight that. Um, so th- thank you for for sharing that and for for putting a, a spotlight on on con- specifically Connecticut history uh, in that in that way and some of the the ways in which uh, anti-racist school curriculum could be developed here in the state that that has a, a, a certain focus on Connecticut's history specifically. And Stan, shifting gears one more time, uh, th- I know that you are working now in in some ways with a with with the group, if not now, which is a Jewish-led activist group. And I was wondering if you could mm-hmm. talk a little bit about some of the work that you're you're in, engaged in with, if not now. Well, I've been working on Palestinian rights issue in Israel and so on for you know almost 40 years and uh there's a this the new group uh, there's lots of groups but the new one uh that i noticed recently is if not now it has to do with a uh a jewish saying about justice you know if are you going to do something if not now when you know anyway so it's mostly young american jews and they've been taking actions in the streets to protest israeli mistreatment of palestinians and increasingly, they've been concerned about the great increase in anti-Semitism during the Trump years, and, and they want a new approach to fighting it. And so I came across an announcement that they were having a Zoom meeting to talk about writing letters to uh, newspapers and uh, op-eds and that kind of stuff. So I jumped on, and um, they were concerned with uh, really two things, a definition <laughs> – and a, uh, a thing about a special envoy on anti-Semitism. So the first thing is, uh, so it seems crazy to argue about a definition, but there's a group called the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. And it's made up of representatives of something like 33 governments and scholars on the mass murders of Jews during World War II. So it's a fine, fine thing to do. The original idea was to expose those who would say, oh, I'm not anti-Semitic, but the Holocaust was fake, or the Jews just died from disease like lots of others during the war. I mean, I mean that's BS. That is anti-Semitism, and uh, it, it does need exposure. But in 2016, the group decided to come up with a definition of anti-Semitism and to list examples. The definition is more or less okay, but half of the examples were about criticizing Israel. It was adopted by the U.S. State Department under Obama, and the, the British adopted it as uh, something that they would uh, use. Uh, Trump made it an executive order. But here, here are some of the examples. Um, 
targeting the state of Israel, conceived as a Jewish collectivity. So criticizing Israel is somehow anti-Semitic. Denying the Jewish people their right to self-determination, e.g., by claiming that the existence of a state of Israel is a racist endeavor. So you can't talk about racism. I mean, just this last month, uh, B'Tselem, which is the biggest uh, um, human rights group in Israel that concerns itself with Palestinians, they said Israel's an apartheid state. So that's even worse than racism. That's an international crime, apartheid. So we're not allowed to talk about that. That becomes anti-Semitism. Or applying double standards by requiring of it a behavior, it being Israel, a behavior not expected or demanded from any other democratic nation. Or drawing comparisons of a contemporary Israeli policy to that of the Nazis. I mean, what, none of that has to do with Jews per se. Uh, it's criticisms of Israel. And whether the criticism is accurate or not, you know, you debate it. But how is it anti-Semitism? So that's part of this whole thing that's being pushed uh, with this uh, definition and examples. And so the If Not Now has been, uh, uh, you know, campaigning against that definition, which I think some of the Zionist interests want to make a U.S. law. And Stan, can you talk about, uh, or a little bit more about the the Biden administration's um, consideration of of Abe Foxman as um, as the uh, as someone who who would basically be heading up the the special envoy in anti-Semitism and kind of what the, yeah. the implications of that. Um, just, sure. just briefly, if you could. I mean, there's a there's a post in the State Department called the Special Envoy on Anti-Semitism. I can't tell you when it was created, but the media suggests it. Uh, it made the post under the Biden administration be given to a man named Abraham Foxman. Now, Foxman was the head of the Anti-Defamation League, ADL, um, for about 25, 30 years. Now, the ADL once uh, exclusively defended Jews against prejudice, which is fine, but increasingly it's seen itself as needing to defend Israel from all the claims of mistreatment of Palestinians. And so some examples of some of the things they did in the 1980s and maybe early 90s, the ADL California branch spied on thousands of activists. Not just Palestinian Americans, Arab Americans, African Americans, Native Americans, left-wing groups. We're talking about thousands of people, and they, they people took them to court, and there was a settlement, and there was a whole bunch of money given to the people who were wronged. I mean, they were doing legal things, and here, you know, their their information was being intercepted. There was all kinds of leaks from police departments and so on. Abraham Foxman strongly defended them. Now, you know that's that's one thing. Uh, another thing is in uh, I can't remember. Maybe five years ago, there was an idea of uh, turning an old, uh, unused, old unused uh, store into Park Fifty One. It was a Muslim cultural center and a mosque, and there was a big uh, fight against this. 
And Abe Foxman was one of the, the people. Now, the excuse was that this would be near the World Trade Center buildings or, or where they had been, you know, and there was somehow an insult to the memory of the, the attack on the World Trade Center that uh, a Muslim mosque, mosque could be in the area. So Abe Foxman is, is in with that. And then the last thing is, uh, and the biggest thing really in my mind, that the, the ADL started a program of bringing U.S. police to Israel for training. And that really angered a lot of Black Lives Matter folks who are furious about it. Jewish Voice for Peace, another Jewish organization, has a big campaign against it. They call it the Deadly Exchange. And then what goes on is the... Uh, the police of both countries learn worst practices. They learn to militarize every confrontation as if it was with terrorists and to see the ethnic minority as probably engaged in specific suspicious activity. And uh, this was all a Foxman program. And so to put him in charge as special envoy on anti-Semitism, people you know, see this as a big mistake, especially now when – anti-Semitism has increased. I mean, you've had the Foxmans uh, of the world guide, uh, you know, U.S. policy from high purchase, and it's only gotten worse because they got it so mixed up with defending Israel and and not paying attention to the rightists who are the anti-Semites. Sorry. No, no, no. Thank you for sharing all that. We're running out of time, unfortunately. So um, I'll definitely make sure I put the links up on SoundCloud when the podcast goes up and in the WPKN archives, Connecticut uh, Climate Crisis Mobilization. Uh, The rally, the virtual rally and car caravan is happening to stop the killing Lee power plant next Saturday, the 27th at 12 p.m. Um, And uh, I'll put up all your links as well. Stanley Heller, journalist and activist with Middle East Crisis Committee, promoting Enduring Peace and the Struggle Video News. Thank you so much for all your work and for joining me once again on Mic Check tonight. Have a great night, Stan. Okay, bye-bye now.